our beloved chiropractic profession faces challenges like never before. These challenges come from not only outside the profession, but also from within. Hi, I'm Dr. Bobby Braille, and I've had the opportunity to see this profession as a practitioner, a teacher, an administrator, and a politician. In my over 40 years in chiropractic, I've just about seen it all. Join me on Cairo Rants for an honest and no-holds-barred discussion about all aspects of chiropractic practice, politics, education, and philosophy. We'll talk about subjects that most only want to whisper about, and we'll interview the leaders in our profession to get some straight-up answers. If you're looking for a politically correct chiropractic discussion, this is not the place. Welcome to Cairo Rants. Hi, this is Dr. Bobby Braille, and welcome to another edition of Cairo Rants. You know, today's rant, I wanted to speak a little bit about something that has been on my mind for a while, casual chiropractic. Now, most of you may not have heard of that, but you may have an inkling what that means. And let me explain a little bit about it. First, from a personal historical standpoint, years ago, a dear friend of mine uh, since gone, Dr. Fred Barge, an icon in our profession, he had a discussion and me and him spoke about it a few times and he was not a big fan of uh, screenings and things where a chiropractor would go out, screen people, and then adjust them at the screening. And he didn't like that because he was upset with the idea that it was devaluing chiropractic. And, and that discussion's been around for a lot of levels on fees. You know, if a fee is low, does that devalue chiropractic? But we're speaking specifically about, uh, you know, the free kind. And, and he wasn't, wasn't really in favor of missionary trips as well. Uh, although I saw them differently because a missionary trip is like, you know, missionary care. You're out there serving a underserved population somewhere in the world in a third world area. Um, so I think, you know, the medical care is even different than standard medical care anywhere else in a developed country. So I didn't have a problem with that. But what we're speaking about now is something that's kind of developed since Dr. Fred's passing, casual chiropractic. And what I mean by that is this. All too often I see the idea of people uh, attempting to go to a chiropractor much on the same level that they would go to a massage therapist. Um, I'm a little sore today. I want to. I want to go get my uh, go get my adjustment, or at best term, or go get cracked or popped. And the value of the service of chiropractic from that standpoint, from an educational standpoint, gets uh, devalued. Because the patient just sees it as a, you know, a quick little relief, nothing related to health, nothing related to wellness, nothing necessarily related to the intrinsic value of a proper functioning nerve system has on overall health and well-being. I mean, the population already had an issue with chiropractic relative to understanding it, to relegating it to back pains, neck pains, occasionally headaches. Very few people would go for... Uh, organic issues or other health issues or wellness issues. You know, it was kind of like, I want to feel good, so I went to the chiropractor. And and that's great from a standpoint of, okay, people are going to the chiropractor, but we're missing out on the entire idea 
of correcting nerve interference, the specific correction of a subluxation, for the enhancement of a body's ability to function better, a nerve system free of neurological interference from subluxation. So we're not going to have a discussion about the science of that. My opinion is plenty there, but that's a different discussion, different rant altogether. The idea of offering chiropractic on a very casual basis, and I see it today, and I'm going to step on some toes here, unfortunately, so okay, you can discuss it with me. The idea of a number of these, uh, of these chains that are out there, these chain chiropractic offices that are out there, you know, just come in, get, get yourself examined and, and, and adjusted. No x-rays involved, no other technology involved, just checked out and then cracked, basically. And yeah, they're using the term adjustment. That's a good thing. Yeah, people are coming to chiropractic in that setting, but are we really doing a service to them? Are we really educating them about the benefits they could be getting or maybe their family members? Are they, are they bringing in their, their little kids sick with the ear infections all the time? Uh, are they bringing in their, you know, the one who's got the chronic cough? Are they bringing in their, their spouse who might have, uh, you know, menstrual issues? You know, are we missing a lot of people who would benefit from chiropractic care because there's no educational process going on beyond, I want to feel a little better right now. Now, you know, I have people come in, uh, and in our clinic, we don't do anything that's related to casual chiropractic. A person comes into our clinic, they get an examination. They get scans. We do a thermal scan as well as surface EMG. Uh, they also then will get x-rays, assuming those are appropriate for their age. I mean, uh, I don't particularly x-ray children. Obviously, I don't x-ray pregnant women, but everybody else is pretty much getting x-rays. I'm not uh, not taking x-rays because uh, I don't think they're a pathology or an injury. I'm taking x-rays because I want to see the positioning of the spine, the bones within the spine, for help in the determination of subluxation and how to adjust them. So we're taking specific x-rays for listings, specific x-rays for positioning, and I'm taking uh, pretty much the entire spine regardless of the complaint. They come in with a low back, I'm still getting atlas x-rays. They come in with a headache, I'm still taking lower back x-rays. So, you know, in my office, and I've been doing this like this for many years, so maybe I'm a bit stubborn on it, but I take x-rays of the spine looking for the mechanical component of a subluxation. You know, the argument about it, you can't see it on an x-ray. You can see the mechanical component, the, the bone out of position. So, you know, I'm taking x-rays of the spine for that reason. Now, I do realize there are in-depth analysis in chiropractic that do not require an x-ray and then still can render very specific adjustments. That's not what I'm speaking about here. I'm speaking about they come in, they get a perfunctory exam, and then they get, want to call it general adjustments? Do you want to call it just diversified, which basically means move whatever you move? You know, because the bone doesn't feel right, I pop it type of a deal. To me, that's a real casual approach. And what is the educational process behind then wanting them to come in beyond feeling good? In other words, if somebody goes into one of these places where that's what they do, or, you know, the chiropractor who offers that kind of a service, and, you know, they come in, I don't feel good, this hurts, that hurts, and you check over their neck and you say, oh, it just feels like it's out of place, and you move it a few times and you hear it pop if it does. And then they assume the patient assumes it's back in place, you know, or I feel better, you fixed it. 
Well, then what's their incentive to come in other than, well, we don't want it to happen again, so let's see you a few more times. What's the incentive to come in and have their nerve system functioning properly? Because really, you haven't, you haven't done any, any examination beyond what it feels like. You haven't done an educational process. And if you haven't taken x-rays, you can't show them how long those things have been like that, you know? You look at an x-ray and there's a lot of degeneration and the bones are, you know, it's like crooked teeth. You know they're not back in place after an adjustment. It takes time to do any form of retraining of the spine. I mean, you talk to your CBP people, it takes time. You talk to your Pierce people, your epicervical people. It takes time to retrain a spine. If you're doing specific work, you're doing it to long-term correct structural distortions related to subluxations and have an effect on the nerve system. If all you're doing is popping them, you know, so they get some relief, the odds are on your favor. You know, the odds are on your side that you're not going to have anything happen badly. And, and obviously a whole chain of these things has propped up. And I'm sure they don't have any massive amounts of uh, malpractice issues relative to their people coming in. I mean, you know, for years it was always, let's take x-rays to protect ourselves. Well, obviously this model of chiropractic where you come in, get a precursory exam and get moved right, you know, get adjusted right away, isn't worried about the necessity for x-rays to, you know, to pick out some rare pathologies so that I don't adjust that area or I change my adjustment. I, in my years, have seen them. You know, I've had an x-ray where, oh, wow, I'm glad I had this x-ray. I can't move that the way I was planning or I can't move it at all, depending upon the scenario. You know, we, we, we've all known the story of, uh, you know, the person who comes in, the elderly gentleman I could think of that I had years ago. He came in, um, lower back pain, and we do a lateral x-ray in his lumbars. You know, we took a full spine, of course, but on the lateral x-ray of his lumbars, I see an aortic aneurysm that is actually eating away at his vertebrae. <laughs> Guess what I'm not going to do? He's not going to be on his side, getting side rolled. I'm not even doing drop work with him lying on his... In fact, I'm not lying him on his stomach, you know. I may adjust his atlas sitting up and, you know, clear some nerve interference, but I'm not going down there and moving around when that thing's about to pop, when he really needs to have a surgeon look at him to determine if that's something that needs to be handled because that's a crisis. That could be an emergency. That thing goes, he's gone in minutes. You know, but that aside, because I've only seen, I think, one of those, you know, and then a handful of other types of, you know, bone destructive cancers or whatever that, you know what, I'm glad I saw that because I wouldn't have wanted to go in there moving osseously. So aside from those, because those are rare, although they do happen, you know, and I don't mean to say that, you know, casual chiropractic is a problem because it's dangerous. Uh, in a rare instance, it is. And I am sure that the people offering casual chiropractic are not getting sued at a much higher rate than those who take x-rays. Uh, the argument can be made that if you take x-rays, you're responsible for what's on them, so your, your exposure is just as high, if not higher. That's not the discussion I'm having here. I'm having a discussion about, are we devaluing the service that we offer, not monetarily, are we adding less value to the patient for what an adjustment of a subluxation can do? You know, you correct nerve interferences, and those of us who's been in this a while, you've had what are called the miracle cases. You correct the subluxation and amazing things happen. Chances are, though, those people came to you hoping for some kind of a miracle. Yes, we can have a patient come in and they've got a typical lower back or neck pain and then some other incredible health issue challenge that they've got going on. 
And when you adjust them and their thought processes just make my back feel better, the other process gets better too. Um, the one I can think of, and it's going to take a few minutes to tell the story here, but it's worth hearing. I had a gentleman come in years ago. His name was Mike. Mike was a bartender. He had the tattoos up and down his arm. It was, it was decades ago. So, you know, he was older than me at the time. He had salty hair and a kind of a grisly voice. And you can tell Mike was a basic guy. I seriously doubt he advanced anywhere. And he probably finished high school, but maybe not, you know. And uh, he worked real hard as a bartender, you know, the grisly kind of a guy, you know, probably a roughneck bar, whatever it was. But he sweetheart of a man, but had that grisly thing. And he came in. And on his chart, uh, reason for seeking care, one word, back. You know, which is, you know, okay, you got one, I got one, what's different with yours? But uh, Mike said, my back hurts. And I said, okay, Mike, tell me about it. Well, I've been hurting for a while. Now, as I looked down the chart, under other medical conditions, perfectly spelled out, and I guess Mike couldn't spell this, so he must have pulled out a piece of paper to read it. He wrote down amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, ALS. Lou Gehrig's disease, basically. And, uh, you know, that's a death sentence under most circumstances. So I, I asked Mike, I said, Mike, I see you wrote down this uh, amyotrophic lateral sclerosis. Um, what's the deal with that? What did they tell you? Oh, I got six months to live, but I don't want to live for six months with a backache. <laughs> so, okay, Mike. Um, so I bring Mike in. I, I bring him for my doctor's report, which is my one-hour lecture that I go over everything in detail and I talk about nerve interference and subluxation and I, I get personally all excited and the people usually get all excited, you know, so Mike gets back into the room and I'm showing him his x-rays after the doctor's report, you know, after the x-ray report. And Mike looks at me like he missed most of what I said out there and says, so it's going to help my back. Okay, Mike. Yeah, you're going to, I'm looking at it. You're, I think you're going to do better. Okay. So Mike starts coming in. He's coming in, I think, three times a week, then twice a week, and his back's feeling better, so he stops care. I'm thinking, ah, oh, you know, I was hoping that Mike would hear something and, you know, it would trigger something about nerve system and health, but, okay. So Mike stops coming in. Been under care for about a month. Two months later, so now we're three months after he first came in, Mike calls me up. Hey, Dr. Brill, I'd like to come back in. My back's going to be a little trouble again. Okay, Mike, come on back in. I need to ask you, you know, when I was coming in, my disease thing seemed to be doing better. You think that had anything to do with it? Now, you know, his disease thing was the ALS. You know, so he, I said, Mike, come on back in. So Mike comes in under care. Now, let's fast forward a little bit here. A year into care with Mike, you know. Mike is now doing better on all levels. Mike is going back to his neurologists on a regular basis who are befuddled because they tell him you're in remission, but ALS doesn't have remission, so we don't know what's happening here. You know, fast forward several years beyond this, Mike is still coming in. He comes in one day with a big smile on his face. How you doing, Mike? Ah, I'm doing pretty good. I went to my doctor. They said I don't have my disease thing anymore. So they told me I probably didn't have it since it can't be cured and it really can't go away. I said, Mike, what do you think? He thinks I got better, <laughs> you know? I said, yeah, Mike, you got it, right? So Mike goes, yeah, but my back still hurts a little bit. <laughs> you know, I mean, here's a guy who had six months to live with ALS, and he's like alive five years later, and uh, his back still hurts him a little bit. I think it's a pretty good trade-off, but at that point, he understood. Now, the reason I tell that little bit of a lengthy story there is because without 
having some form of educational process without taking the pictures or at least doing something that increases the value of the service. If it was just a back service, Mike dies, you know, Mike's back feel better, you know, and he never eventually gets that he should continue care because his nerve system and his disease thingy ALS got better. And how many people in addition to Mike, you know, who have come in, I know in my office or in any other chiropractic offices who may have come in for that little ache or pain, but it got better. And if they had no reason beyond that, no understanding of subluxation, no value to correction of nerve interference, stopped care because that particular symptom stopped and then either continued with, developed, or had some terrible other health consequence come about that never got better or that took their life. You know, I mean, nerve system interference is life and death. We, we don't often say that. We're kind of like skittish to say it, but it is life and death. You know, subluxations do affect the nerve system. The nerve system controls all function, all resistance, all ability the body has to defend itself. Nerve system's not functioning. It is life and death. If we devalue that service by just making it a massage like, how do you feel, let's do it, and when you don't feel good, come back, we have done a great disservice to those people. We've done a great disservice to our profession. You know, our profession didn't start with a backache. It started with a deaf man. And then the second one wasn't a backache either, you know. In fact, in the earliest days, only the very sick would go to a chiropractor because it was some kind of a weirdness or something so different that you had to be really ill to try it. You know, and as time goes on, we've kind of relegated ourselves into this musculoskeletal, you know, and now even a casual musculoskeletal approach to chiropractic. And granted, in some of these changes, they're not adding therapies and everything else to it, which is fine or not fine, whatever. But they're still not going beyond just, it hurts today, let's, let's check you out. Now, you could say, well, our individual doctors or an individual doctor does an education with them. Fine, but if you're not using the tools to make it worth something, it's still just your word and moving bones. I mean, isn't our profession beyond that just a little bit where we can use some technology to determine nerve system interference or at least monitor it? I mean, x-rays have been around for a long time. We got that. But there are other tools out there, too. Thermography has been around for a long time, but many chiropractors, in fact, most don't use it. Yet it does help determine how care is going. Surface EMG and a number of other technologies that are out there. And by the way, if chiropractors used more technology, more technology would be developed to help chiropractors. But it's not profitable for a company or an industry to develop technologies that are not going to be used. And you can argue, yes, part of that is reimbursement. You know, years ago, I uh, spent, and this is back in the 80s, I spent about $100,000 to put in a video fluoroscopy section to my clinic when I was in Florida. And we did motion x-rays, video fluoroscopy. And we were one of only two in the state of Florida doing it at the time. And part of the uh, benefit to it, I mean, other than the fact that it was giving me valuable information, in addition and over and above what a static x-ray would give me. It was a wonderful tool. I was at the early days being reimbursed for it. In other words, if I did it, the insurance company paid me for it. So, hey, at least there was a financial compensation for the money and the time I spent to both learn it, get certified in it, and then put the equipment in my clinic. 
Well, later on, as HMOs, PPOs came in, those things were automatically just discarded. We don't, we don't pay for that service. So then it got down to where nobody was paying for, almost nobody was paying for video fluoroscopy. What would be the incentive of a young doctor or a new growing practice doctor spending that hundred grand to put the unit in if there was no reimbursement on the other side? Okay. I mean, you could argue x-rays are the same way now because Medicare doesn't pay for x-rays. For years, they required x-rays, didn't pay for it. Now they even took out the requirements. So the whole concept is gone there. Uh, and there's a fear with that. I mean, I used to like when they required the x-rays because if I told a, an elderly patient who was on Medicare that we were going to take x-rays, do they pay for that? No, they don't, but they require it. Oh, so it's like if you want care, you had to get it. Now you don't have that argument anymore. Why do you want the extras? Because I need to have them. Yeah, but they don't pay for it. You know, it's a different argument altogether. I still, I don't have a problem with it. I can do it. But I'm thinking, well, there's an awful lot of chiropractors who don't and can't. I mean, if they required us to have x-rays to determine the presence or the type of subluxation or the safety of adjustments on a Medicare situation, there'd be a whole lot more x-rays out there. But that being said, we are, especially in the United States, in my opinion, heading towards an expansion of the Medicaid program. Um... You know, I mean, we hear certain politicians going Medicare for all. I don't think we're at that step yet, but I certainly think there'll be an expansion of coverage to people who are younger than 65 and to other groups or to people who optionally buy into the system and use that as their primary health care. Go with a Medicare system that they pay into, which I think will probably happen in the next couple of years here. Now, if that happens... And Medicare, as you well know, only pays for the adjustment of a subluxation in the Medicare law, by the way, that's what it says. Uh, the interpretation by the carriers that administer Medicare is a little bit different, but still, they only pay for the one service, okay? So, you know, your exams, your x-rays don't be paid for. Um, that's an unfortunate reality. It also then will enhance the idea of casually offering chiropractic. Well, if they're not going to pay for it, I'm only going to do what they pay for. So I'm only going to do adjustments. Yeah, but then we haven't we started down a path of people knowing less and less about chiropractic and getting it more and more like a massage? And if that's the case, and if there's no value to what we do uh, relative to anything above, you know, just feeling better and getting, you know, movement, general manipulation, if you will, What's then the problem with the physical therapist doing that same service? You know, we used to have the argument all the time. There was all this stress amongst chiropractors about physical therapists doing adjustments. Well, they weren't doing adjustments. They were doing manipulation. Because an adjustment is a specific procedure to correct nerve interference, okay, to correct the subluxation or work towards the correction of the subluxation. A physical therapist was doing manipulation for a totally different reason. Now, maybe it looked like what you were doing. I would then suggest yours needs to be a little more specific. But if we're giving up the specificity of an adjustment to correct nerve interference by making it casual, haven't we then brought it down to the level of a physical therapist manipulating? And if that's the case, why do they come to you when physical therapy is paid for at a higher rate than what you're doing? What if medical doctors start to become manipulators or, uh, you know, medical assistants through licensure, and we don't have control over this, maybe they approve them to do certain forms of manipulation after being prescribed to by their orthopedist. Because we lower the standard of what we do, we can basically be relegated 
to being the one group that doesn't get paid or doesn't reimburse the patient, the patient doesn't get reimbursed for the one service we do uniquely because we've brought it down to the level of just manipulation. You know, adjustments of a subluxation should be and are very specific, very important, very life-changing procedures because they deal with correction of nerve interference. If all we're offering is a casual version of that, it is not anything above a manipulation to feel better. In fact, I would argue that's all people think it is when they go into those types of places because I don't know that you can do a, an, a full educational program without backing it up with some form of technology, understanding, imagery, whatever, to give it more value and to determine the makeup of a subluxation. I mean, like I said, there are a few techniques that are very specific. The analysis is very in detail that do not require an x-ray. I understand that. I have no beef whatsoever with those. Choose them, don't choose them. It's a different thing. I'm talking about the person who does adjustments, the generalized adjustment, the diversified adjustment, the, you know, I mean, you don't do specific adjustments, a toggle of the atlas, a pierce adjustment, or specific movements based upon not having information, you know? I mean, it requires an information. In fact, I would argue it requires an x-ray to give a pretty good atlas adjustment, all right, with certain exceptions. All right, but, you know, so if you're just up there moving bones everywhere, that's not a whole lot different than a physical therapist who can do that. And if that's the case, why would someone, and why would the orthopedic not tell them, just go to the physical therapist, you don't need the chiropractor. They do the same thing. You know, in chiropractic, we argued for the longest time they didn't do the same thing. Well, are we changing our service to be the same thing? I hope not. So my rant today is basically about the idea of we need to get away from offering casual chiropractic. The adjustment is such a special, such an amazing procedure, such a wonderful thing, life-changing. Why would we relegate it to just something that, here, come in, pop it, feel better? I mean, you know, that just, and for the chiropractors who, you know, in the early days went to jail for this, who, you know, absolutely, you know, put it out there for this service, for all of our leaders in our profession, the technique people, the Gonsteads, the Pierces, the Clay Thompsons, you know, the Grostics, all the people before us who, the barges, who laid it on the line to get specific about the correction of subluxation. And then we turn it into just this manipulation therapy service. I have a problem with that. That's my rant today. I think we need to go beyond that. So the young chiropractor who's looking to get into practice, I understand the idea of, well, they'll, they'll offer me good money if I go work for this chain and all I do with this. Yeah, but okay. I, I, I'll tell you something. You can make good money being on your own. In fact, you can make better money being on your own. If you own this thing called chiropractic, if you deliver the goods, if you can change lives and become the life changer in your community, you know, as opposed to just a guy who you go to see when you don't feel as good and you feel a little better if he pops you, I think life is so much more rewarding. A chiropractor once told me, a mentor of mine once told me that, you know what, moving bones is boring. If that's all you do all day is move bones, that is boring. Turning on the life within people that's exciting. That's something I wake up in the morning to do. That's something I can't wait to get into my office to handle, turning on the life. So there's a big difference between just moving bones, casual chiropractic, and turning on the life, specific adjustments. 
So that's my rant for today. Hope you all enjoyed my Cairo rants. Thank you for listening to Cairo Rants. Subscribe for free and listen to insightful, truthful, and hard-hitting discussions with some of the biggest names in chiropractic. Cairo Rants is sponsored in part by Now You Know Online and in-office educational services. Learn how to expand your educational outreach to your patients and your community at www.nowyouknow.net. The opinions of Cairo Rants are exclusively those of Dr. Braille and do not reflect the opinions of any associations, groups, institutions, or sponsors mentioned in these podcasts. This has been Cairo Rants.